Welcome back, everybody, to the weekly episode of the Real Japan Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Kenzo. And I am Ferg. And as usual, we will be bringing you all the latest headlines and big news items from Japan. Some of them more interesting than others, but we'll do our best to keep our attention for about the next hour. But uh, first off, before we get into life in the mountains and uh, what that's been like for the past week or so, we uh, we just wanted to say that there have been uh, there has been some really bad weather down uh, in Kyushu, the uh, the southernmost uh, island in Japan. Um, and uh, Ferg was telling me that as of today. Uh, 60 some odd people have uh, lost their lives and there are about uh, another 16 people uh, missing and uh, we hope uh, we hope they're found alive and well but uh, as as is the case with these uh, types of natural disasters uh, of which Japan is prone to unfortunately um, as time goes on the uh, your chances of getting uh, found alive uh, dwindle significantly but uh let's uh yeah let's hope that they're uh, they're alive and well somewhere and they'll get found yes absolutely um just to say a few more words on this disaster mm. in addition to the casualties many many people almost 300,000 just in Kumamoto and the nearby areas plus people in other areas of Japan have been instructed to evacuate their homes because, uh, you know, their homes have been flooded or destroyed. Mm-hmm. People are forced to stay at evacuation shelters. This is extremely stressful, particularly at this time, because coronavirus is also yeah. a yeah. worry. So some people have been reluctant about moving to the shelters and are staying in their cars and things. And in addition, more than 3,000 homes or households mostly in uh, more kind of rural communities in southwest Kumamoto prefecture have mm. been stranded because flooding has destroyed bridges and roads so they're having to have supplies sent in by helicopter mm. yeah that's that's rough man mm. yeah. absolutely so and and, and I, I I feel like uh, too that because there's this whole uh, coronavirus thing, that's uh, it's constantly on the front page. Um, that the, uh, the the press coverage of this disaster that's going on like right now is um, not that um, it's not that prominently featured, I guess. So it's, uh, yes. the the information is not um, as widely disseminated as uh, it maybe should be. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I haven't seen much coverage of this in the international news, which mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. unusual because normally these kind of disasters would attract a lot of international coverage as well. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's uh, too busy worrying about themselves, which is understandable. But um, but yeah, it's definitely... In, in any other time, it would be receiving a lot more attention, I feel. Yes. It, it yeah. does kind of appear that the rainy season when many of these floods occur is becoming sort of worse every year, perhaps as a result of climate change. You know, we have had previous heavy flooding around Shikoku and Hiroshima area, sort of Okayama 
type area in 2018. And then there was more flooding in North Kyushu the previous year in 2017. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've and had a succession the, uh, of these kind of The floods. typhoons mm-hmm. too were, it was really bad last year. Mm. Yes, yeah, yes. A lot was. of rain last year. Yes, yes. Mm. The typhoon did uh, cause a lot of flooding. That was actually, uh, a lot of it was around Nagano, where I lived last year, so. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. It was Nagano, and then I think with Chiba, right? Yes, Got, got hit yes. really hard, too. Yes. Yeah, the... yeah I do. I definitely mm. do get the feeling that, you know, having lived here for the past 10 years or so, um, it definitely feels like the rain, it comes in like really concentrated bursts. Mm. Yes. Th- these past maybe two or three years, whereas before it would just be kind of drizzle for like extended periods, whereas now it'll just, it'll come like a torrent of rain will come and then it'll be gone. And that's, um, that's a pretty bad recipe for like landslides and, and, and flash flooding, that kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, many of the coverage in Japan or a lot of the coverage of the floods in Kumamoto and the landslides, as you said, have they featured kind of interviews with local residents, many of whom, because these are more rural communities, have been older people. Mm-hmm. They've mm-hmm. said things on the interviews, like, you know, they've been living in the area for 50, 60, 70 years, and they've never seen anything, anything like this. So Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we hope that, you know, as many people can be saved as, as possible and damage can be sort of quickly restored through assistance from the local and national government. Yeah, definitely, yeah. We uh, we'll wish them the very best. Yes, sir. All right. Well, with, uh, with that news bit out of the way, I guess we'll move on to life in the mountains. Yes. So my uh, life this past week has been fine. I've been staying inside a lot, partly because of the rain, partly because of social distancing, and partly yeah. because that's just how I live anyway. Yeah. Although I did want to tell you about something interesting that happened. So I went to the post office the past week to post something. And this is a local post office in the village. Mm. I posted my letter, I paid for it, and then I left the post office. I still had some things to get in town, so I or in the village, so I went to the little local shop. And while Mm. I was there, I received a phone call. And I answered it. It was from a number I didn't know. Uh-oh. And they said, hello, this is the the post office, the local post office. Yeah. And I said, oh, okay. And they said, we're at your house. We came to bring you back some change because we gave you the wrong amount of change. Oh, that's nice of them. <laughs> yes, sir. And I said, well, I, I'm not actually at my house. I'm, I'm still in the village. I, um, I went to the shop and they said, oh, no, okay. I said, I'll stop by the post office and, and yeah. pick it up on my way back. <laughs> so I stopped by and they gave me my 100 yen or so in, oh. in change that, that had been wrong. I well, thought that, a, was, a, that was That's nice. a heartwarming tale. Yes, sir. They gave me a little packet of tissues as well, just to say, you know, I suppose a token of their appreciation. Yeah. But I couldn't believe they went all the way up to my house. And then, because... 
you know, my address was on the envelope as the, right, right, the sender, right, right. right? So they went to my yeah, house. I don't think I don't think that would happen in the in the big city. No, that's what I was yeah. thinking. I couldn't the, imagine the, it. Yeah. The person at the counter would just take that hundred yen and buy some coffee or Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean I think probably no chance of it happening in the UK. Oh yeah, in the US either, yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah. No way. But the spirit of what would you call it? Hospitality or generousness or sort of honesty in business lives on in the Japanese countryside. Good to hear. Yeah, that's uh, that's a, a feel good story. We don't we don't have many of those lately, so that's that's good to hear. No, sir. What yeah. about you? How has your week been? Um, pretty pretty uneventful. I've I've mm. I've been taking it real easy after yes, that whole uh, Okinawa scam. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I've just been been chilling. Um. I got I to gotta take my car to the shop today. Okay. So that, that'll be the first time I'll go out in about a week. Yep. Is that um, regular maintenance work or is it, it's not the shaken or anything, is it? No, no. Yeah, it's, um, I, I was driving the other day and the, the car just shut off like, oh, while really? I was driving. And I was like, hmm. So... <laughs> So I pull over and I and then I turn the key off and then I mm. start it up again and it started up, but um, regardless, so I was able to make it home, thankfully. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I was uh, thinking, yeah, this is probably something I should get looked at because this is not supposed to happen. Yes, so, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, t- I took it in the other day. And and it it drives fine. It's it's just I don't know if it's gonna sh- shut off again. Mm. So I I drove it down there because the shop's not too far. It's only about maybe less than half an hour. Okay. And it's, it's and it's all local streets. So if if it stops, you know I won't be on the freeway or anything. Yes. Um. So yeah, I took it in and, and like one of the the hoses, the vacuum hoses. I'm not super. Uh, technically inclined with cars but uh well yeah one of the hoses is uh is rubber as hoses typically are and the rubber has just gotten a bit too brittle over the oh, years i see and mm. and yeah it was um it's for the the brake line i think mm. so yeah. the i guess modern cars are smart so if it senses there's a problem with the brakes it shuts off yeah um, mm. but it, it's intermittent because it's not like there's a gaping hole. It's just kind of a small crack. Yeah. So most of the time it's fine. Um, uh, but in any case, uh, I'd, I'd order the part and it came in. So I'm going to go get that replaced. Good stuff. You'll get yep. your precious Aisha back again. Yes. The, my, my lovely car. <laughs> Aisha. Car. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, that's, yep, that's uh that's that's all for me. And I guess we'll uh we'll move on to the coronavirus roundup by Ferg. Okay. Well, just as it looked like things might be sort of heading on a downward trend in terms of coronavirus cases and we might have to wrap up the coronavirus roundup. 
It seems there's been a bit of a resurgence in the past week or so. Yeah, it might be the, the second wave. Could well be, couldn't it? Yeah. There are now 20,831 cases in Japan and 982 deaths as of the 9th of July. And there has been an increase of 355 new cases in the past 24 hours or the 24 hours preceding the 9th of July. Mm. This includes 224 new cases in Tokyo, which is the most ever in a 24-hour period. Yeah, that's the most worrying thing, I think, is the, mm. the number in Tokyo is like at an all-time high. Yes, yes. This includes all of the period when the state of emergency was declared. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So apparently of this 224 cases, people in their 20s and 30s made up 75% of the number of cases. And the, okay. route, the route of infection was not clear for 104 people. So nearly half of the number of people, which is very worrying. Obviously, yeah, the more people for whom we do not know the route of infection, it implies that there is a more widespread sort of uh, spread of the virus within the population. Mm-hmm. Of this 224 people, and this has been the way it's been reported a lot in the press, 74 of those were connected with the so-called yorunomachi, the night... The nightlife. <laughs> exactly, the nightlife. Yeah. You know, a lot of these places will be nightclubs, girly bars, etc. Mm-hmm. And of that 74 people from the the nightlife 52 of them were from the shinjuku area in tokyo they just, they just need to close that place down man just, <laughs> just just seal it off it's the center of of the the nightlife industry in japan probably it is the it, i mean it's the it's the most wretched hive of scum and villainy anyway <laughs> so just close it off man Not a bad way to describe it at all. (laughs) However, I will say my personal opinion, I think it's unfair that the press and the politicians are sort of indirectly blaming people connected with the, the nightlife. You know, they won't say it's their fault directly, but they say, oh, well, there's this proportion connected with the nightlife. Right, right, right. In fact... You know, they've just been focusing their testing on people working in that industry. Mm, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, there's some truth there, yeah. And while it is obviously clear that this industry involves probably a lot more personal contact than mm-hmm, many mm-hmm. other types of work, it's also, it seems to imply to me that, you know, if they just start testing a particular section of the population and that population was found to actually have quite high rates of infection it might be worth um having more widespread testing in general yeah yeah certainly yeah i agree with that yeah the uh government however and this is both the national government and the uh, municipal government of tokyo they are not taking any additional measures at the moment And in fact, they're actually still in the process of releasing measures or easing measures against the the coronavirus. Right on the day we record on Friday the 10th, 
they are the national government is easing restrictions on large scale events such that up to 5000 people will be able to participate in events the they have said that part as part of the reasoning for this the um they have said that the num the reason the number of cases is increasing is because they've increased the number of tests so they've increased from 1000 or so per day yeah where have i heard that April. one before <laughs> to, to about 3500 per day however and to be fair we have we covered uh, an article on a couple of episodes ago on this podcast that talked about rates of infection in the population from random testing and it did mm-hmm. seem that japan had a low a very low rate of infection in general however that said, I don't think it's a sufficient defense to say, well, we increase, the numbers are just increasing because we're increasing testing. <laughs> that's like. Well, that's, a, that's exactly what, uh, yeah. what the president says. President Trump. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's, that's his argument exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it almost feels like they're, uh, they're looking to, to Mr. Trump for, uh, taking for, a peek for at all his their, playbook, for all their eh? talking points. Yes, sir. Yeah. But those cases still exist. It doesn't mean that just because you increase the testing, you somehow came up with a lot of fictitious cases. Right, yeah. And if anything, yep. it should be more worrying because it indicates that perhaps testing was insufficient before mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. the rates of infection previously reported were not accurate would be the implication, surely, if as soon as you increase testing, you find a whole lot more cases. Yeah, but hey, no tests, no cases. Yes, sir. The, the, <laughs> the national government, I mean, through Yoshihide Suga, who is the chief cabinet secretary, have also said that the government will not immediately issue another state of emergency, partly because there is not much stress on the medical system at the moment. Mm. And, you know, however, this sort of expert panel did release their evaluation of the recent state of the infection in Tokyo. This doesn't include, by the way, the most recent number, the, that increase in 224 cases in right. Tokyo. It was released just before that number came out. But they, this expert panel pointed out that the infection is spreading among people, you know, in addition to those in their 20s and 30s, those in their 40s and 50s as well. And also mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. just among people working in nightlife in Yorinomachi, but also among people, you know, who just live together, people who work together, people who go out for meals and things together. So right, in a variety right, of right. different settings. It is worrying and it's certainly something we'll have to watch in future. It looks like coronavirus might not be going away as soon as we had previously hoped. Yeah, I I think we're all fucked. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the where where things are going. It just it seems to me that until we get a, some kind of a vaccine, it's just gonna it's just gonna keep going. Yes, yeah. yes, because as soon as they start to ease any kind of measures, the virus crops up again. Hmm. Hmm. Yep. Uh, just one sort of lighter piece of information connected with coronavirus in Japan. The Apparently, 
there's been a, a kind of uptick in the sale of larger umbrellas because people are using them even when it's not raining as a form of enforcing ah. social distancing. You know, having umbrellas between. If you hold an umbrella, obviously, it's right, difficult for right, people to right. come right up to you. And some elementary schools in Saitama and Aichi prefectures have even encouraged children to use umbrellas when they're walking to school. And they've mm -hmm, said mm -hmm. that the kids can take off their masks if they use an umbrella because, hmm. you know, as a means of preventing heat stroke, it's somewhat easier to get heat stroke if you're wearing a mask. Oh, that's actually a, a cool idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I never thought of that. Hey, you shouldn't sound so surprised. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much faith in these uh, these government bigwigs, but yeah, yeah, it looks like they might have got it right for once. Yeah, well, protect the kids especially from the sun, and also let them take mm -hmm, their mask mm -hmm. off for a bit. Wow. Yes, sir. Okay. Right. Shall we move on to our main stories? Yeah, I guess so. Um, I'll uh. I'll go ahead with mine. And this is a story that is near and dear to our hearts here at The Real Japan. The Mario Kart people, which uh, many of our listeners might be familiar with, but they had, it was a company that for, for whatever reason in Japan, go-karts are legal to drive on public roads and a company organized uh t tours of tokyo uh where patrons could ride around on a little go-kart um dressed up like mario um characters and drive around and these people were were the bane of people's existence in tokyo because they drove around like jackasses and they were loud. They would hold up traffic. And it was just dangerous too uh, to be riding around in a go-kart next yep. to like a big truck. I mean, that's uh, not a good idea. No, sir. Um, but in any case, they, they, got, they got sued by Nintendo because first of all, they named their company Mari Car. <laughs> It was like Mari Car Incorporated. And but that was it, a coincidence, right? It was Oh yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> and they would dress up like Mario characters. So I think to the uninitiated, it, it might almost seem like this was a sanctioned thing by Nintendo. Um and Nintendo, they're pretty notorious for being uh very lit litigious company they, mm. they they love to sue people but in the, but in this case i think they were it was a uh, well well founded i think in this case yes uh but so they got they sued they got sued by nintendo this mari car incorporated and they were forced to change their company name to street cart all right and they also had to pay a fine uh well not a fine they were ordered to pay nintendo uh, 50 million yen, which is about half a million U.S. Yep, not a huge fine. And not, not not huge, yeah. But I think I I doubt this company was that very large. 
Um, yeah. So today was probably a significant blow. And, yep. and so this order, the, this verdict came down in January. And right about then is when this whole COVID thing started really uh, taking off. And I think it goes without saying that most Japanese people, th their clientele was overwhelmingly uh, tourists. Yes. And so what happened was, I think as one would expect, when the tourist numbers essentially dwindled to zero uh, since maybe March, February, March, uh, their, their sales dried up mm. in, in rapid order. And to coincide with this or to maybe uh, try to help help them help themselves they started a uh, crowdfunding campaign oh okay to try to keep the business afloat because they essentially had no business and the crowdfunding campaign was on a website called campfire which is it's a japanese crowdfunding website okay and there were the campaign went on for about two months the end of April to the end of June. And there were two tiers of uh, rewards, or whatever you want to call them. There's the standard reward where it's just um, like a donation almost of uh, 500 yen. So about $5, you can make a donation. And then the second tier was 5,000 yen, so about $50, where you would be presented with a... Uh, like a free, you get a free ride, essentially. Well, it's, okay. well, it's not free because you're paying, but but you know, mm. it's a, you you make the five thousand yen donation and they give you a ride, which has a value of eight thousand yen. Mm. So you're getting a discount on a ride. Yep. Now, for over these two months, th their goal was two million yen. Mm. Their funding goal. So about mm. 20,000 US was their goal. Now, how much do you think they raised? Well, the manner in which you're asking the question with almost undisguised glee in your voice <laughs> makes me think that perhaps it's significantly lower than the 2 million yen they hoped for. So, Yeah, it's lower, but how much lower? Mm. I'm going to say maybe they got halfway there. One million yen. Ooh, you think they got halfway? Yeah, maybe. I guess I no. sound optimistic. Yeah, you're a bit too optimistic there. <laughs> okay. All right. I, you, ready for, you ready for the big reveal then? Okay. Okay, that's okay. it. They raised, drum roll, okay. 11,569 yen. 11,000? <laughs> yeah, so about about $100. <laughs> Wait, 11,000? Uh, 11,500 yen, did you say? Yeah, yep. So that means like two people bought rides <laughs> and maybe a few extra people. Well, one person bought a ride. <laughs> yeah. And then three people made donations. And and the math yeah. doesn't add up because I think yeah. you can make a donation in whatever amount you want. Oh, okay, I see. I so see. the three people probably donated more than the minimum, but mm. 
Yeah. Oh, wow. That's quite astonishing, isn't it? Yeah, it's impressive. You'd think if they asked their families and, and friends to to donate or at least check out the the crowdfunding website, they would have even raised more money. Yeah, you would think. I suppose it does. And we did kind of mention this when we first covered the story, but I suppose it kind of shows the extent to which people living in Japan find these go-kart tortoise a nuisance. No, no one really wants them. Yeah, no one wants them. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I was impressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't think it would be that bad. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, but yeah, the numbers speak for themselves. Yes, uh, it is perhaps uh, mean, sort of laughing at others. Well, not exactly yeah, I mean, because this but... is this is somebody's mm. livelihood, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, I don't want to tap dance on their grave or anything, but yeah, they um, when when you provide a service that the local community hates you for. Mm. Yeah. Then yeah. I think you know it's a it's a high risk, high return kind of situation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, I do think as well. Just without getting too serious or too losing sight of this particular case, I do think it mm. shows some of the potential risks of trying to focus so much of your economy on tourism. You know the yeah. Yeah. The Japanese government has had this huge focus on tourism in the past few years, trying to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. attract, is it 30 million visitors they want to yeah, attract that was to Japan goal. every year? Yeah. That was the goal, yeah. Of course, that's almost zero now because of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. coronavirus. But it just shows how quickly tourism can, you know, rise and fall, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and granted, this... Mm. This whole COVID thing is uh, is rather unprecedented. I mean, this has never happened before. So yeah, you know, you you could say that people had no way of uh, preparing for this kind of a situation. That's true, certainly. Yeah, mm. yeah, but uh, but at the same time, I think it, it just goes to show that the operating a business mm. and you, you every business caters to you know whatever clientele they mm. cater to but it's it's important to be in touch with the the local community yes think, no matter yes. what kind of business you're running yes i think that's a good point yes yeah um and and also on a related note uh, with regard mm. to the the mario kart story um i i thought it was funny that they they had their campaign on a japanese crowdfunding website yeah yeah yeah. When their their clientele is almost entirely overseas. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, had they done this on maybe you know, Kickstarter or, mm. you know, one of those uh, Western crowdfunding websites, it might have had a different result. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think at the very least it would have raised more than $100. Hmm. Yes, yes. Yes, certainly it does seem a bit short-sighted to have their campaign on this Japanese website, as you said. Yeah, when all the Japanese hate them. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. I don't know who's, well, 
But in any case, yeah. um, I got a feeling this might not be the last we hear from them. Oh, do you think they might pop up again in some some form or well, other? Well, may, maybe not the the same company necessarily, mm. but however many years down the line when things are back to normal, mm. then it may, maybe the same people or maybe someone else will probably pick up right where they left off. Sadly, yes. I mean, we have given fair warning to our listeners overseas. If you're planning on visiting Japan, <laughs> don't get one of these don't do Mario it. Kart tours. <laughs> the locals will look at you with disdain. You'll be spending your afternoon in a highly dangerous sort of tour around Tokyo, sitting yeah. in car exhausts and things. You know, I can think of a million different things that would be better to do in oh, the yeah, grand sure. old city of Tokyo. Mm-hmm. But yep, yeah, that's uh, that's that. So we uh, well, we 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 hope they're not too much in debt, and uh, mm-hmm. whoever's running it didn't get their lives totally ruined. But yes, uh, of course, as, of course. As far as the company is concerned, mm-hmm. good riddance and goodbye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully the sort of managers and employees can turn their talents to a different business that, as you said, is a bit more in touch with the local community, yeah, even if it is yeah, still so. focused on tourism. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Shall we move on to the next story? Alrighty. Okay, so this story is... It actually was first reported around May, and but we're revisiting it today because of some subsequent developments and the story Mm. is that Hana Kimura who was a 22 year old professional wrestler and a cast member of a TV show called Terrace House uh, killed herself in May after she became the target of trolls online or online harassment following Mm. an incident that occurred on that show on Terrace House and as I said, there have been some new developments in this story, which is why we're, you know, I say revisiting it, but we didn't actually cover it on the Real Japan podcast at the time that it happened. However, it was mm-hmm. widely covered in both the national and the international press. So before we sort of move on to the actual story, just to, for listeners that aren't aware, because it is quite important for this story. Terrace House is a kind of reality show, but it's not perhaps the same type of reality show that we are used to, particularly uh, Western people. When we think of reality shows, we might think of these sort of over-the-top dramatic shows where... Gordon Ramsay. (laughs) Exactly. Gordon Ramsay, (laughs) Big Brother, you know, all kinds of things. Yeah. But basically where they have big personalities thrown together... They, you know, sort of entice them or force them to do things that will inevitably cause clashes. They film the results and edit them to make it entertaining and then throw it all together. However, the idea of Terrace House was that it's kind of like a very toned down Big Brother. Basically, six people, usually young, attractive people, men and women, live together in a nice house In the most recent season, this was in Tokyo. It has been in other locations in Japan Mm. and overseas in previous seasons. 
And they just basically go about their daily lives, they do their jobs and things, and viewers get to watch, you know, friendships and sort of dating and love relationships right. forming between the housemates. I've never actually watched it, I will be honest and say now before we go into this. Have you watched Terrace House? Uh, maybe. Mm. I might have seen like one one or two episodes here and there. Yeah, it yeah. just doesn't really appeal to me. However, I might. No, yeah. Maybe I would I'll... much rather watch mm. Kitchen Nightmares. Yes, sir. I do love MasterChef <laughs> actually as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Mm. Um, so Terrace House is quite interesting because it originally aired on, on Fuji TV, on domestic Japanese TV. And then in 2015, it became co-produced by Netflix and Fuji TV and mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. streamed on Netflix both within Japan and internationally to many, many countries via Netflix. And it has, it's been, it was described as a kind of sleeper hit. Seems to have picked up um, quite a, a degree of popularity for this, as I said, it's laid back approach to reality TV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Unscripted, at least in theory. And that's what we're going to talk in about. In theory. Today, yes. So now that we know what Terrace House is, let's talk about what happened here. And we're going to review the story of Hana Kimura and, and what led to her suicide. So apologies to listeners that are already familiar with this, because as I say, it has been widely reported already earlier this year in May. Yep. Anyway, in so back in May 2019, last year, the latest season of Terrace House uh, Tokyo 2019-2020 began streaming on Netflix. And then, you know, in October last year, October 2019, Hana Kimura entered the house. The housemates will come and go. They talk about graduating from the house, you know, leaving right. the house and going back to their normal lives. But anyway, in, in October 2019, Hana Kimura entered the house. She, as I said, she was a 22-year-old professional wrestler. And she started off as a a kind of popular character. You know, viewers thought she was quite cute, attractive and um, funny perhaps. But it seems she began to attract some criticism as the show went on. And, you know, the audience members on on Twitter and things became a little bit more critical, saying she she was selfish and things. Mm Mm-hmm. With that in mind, um, on March 31st of this year, an episode was streamed online. This was episode 38, the costume incident, it was called. And Hana Kimura became, in this episode, she became angry at another member of the house, a comedian, a male comedian called Kai Kobayashi. You know... Uh, Hannah had sort of expressed some dissatisfaction or some feelings perhaps of slight resentment toward Kai in the previous episode. But what happened in this episode was that Kai put his washing in a shared washing washing machine in in the house. And uh, Hannah's costume, a wrestling costume, was already in that washing machine, a very important Mm. wrestling costume. And as a result of this... The, uh, that's her her livelihood right there, right? Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. And 
as a result of Kai doing the washing with her costume in there, the costume shrank. Oh. Yes. Then this led to a, a kind of confrontation, I suppose you'd call it, in the dining room of Terrace House when the housemates were gathered and Hannah became angry toward Kai. You know, Kai said sorry and Hannah said, you know, something along the lines of, obviously it's in Japanese, but, you know, you should be more considerate. Don't be so disrespectful. And then she said, you know, stop wearing that stupid hat, something along those lines. And Mm -hmm. she kind of knocked his hat off his head. Mm. And then, you know, she, then she walked upstairs off to, to the bedroom. I presume it's actually, Mm. I was surprised because I, I, although I read about her suicide and the reasons for it back in May and reread it, you know, preparing for this uh, episode. Yeah. The actual incident itself is extremely minor. And I understand that in Japan, you know, cultural norms are perhaps different. There's not as much sort of obvious confrontation as in the West, but even Mm -hmm. so it's still, it's not, this isn't like a huge argument or anything. It's it was a lot more, a lot smaller or shorter of an incident than I thought it would be. Uh-huh, uh-huh. However, even so, this relatively minor incident, I suppose, caused a huge, you know, it developed into a huge scandal online, or a huge, you know, Hannah became the basically she became a target for online harassment. Yeah, yeah. you know, trolls sort of criticising her and her actions, saying things like they hated her more than any other Terrace House member ever, you know, and and saying it was her fault for leaving the costume in the washing machine. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, obviously, even if it, even if she is partly to blame for that, it's nonsense just to, or not nonsense, but it's, you know, these sad people that sort of feel like they have to express their anger and attack other people online. Yeah, yeah. Is, uh, you know, sad and pretty disgusting behavior. Mm. And just as well, just before we, you know, go on to like the the rest of the story, it does seem that Hannah apologized to Kai later and the two were maybe sort of back on okay terms and had planned to meet up once, once the coronavirus situation died down, according to an article that I read in which he was Mm -hmm. quoted. So, that episode, episode 38 with this incident, aired on March 31st. Then on May 14th of this year, three videos were uploaded to YouTube by Fuji TV. And in these videos, they had the house... It was kind of like extra footage, I suppose, of the housemates discussing the incident. And another housemate asked Hannah if she thought that Kai was totally in the wrong concerning this incident or if it was totally Kai's fault and Hannah told her this other housemate that yes it you know it was all her fault uh, she thought sorry Hannah told this other housemate that she thought it was all Kai's fault the other housemate said well you know she shouldn't have left her important costume there to which Hannah left the room and apparently she could be heard crying outside you know I haven't uh-huh. seen these extra scenes but it does seem that these extra videos also added to her stress and obviously 
in addition to it being stressful, having her filmed being so upset, she was also attracting more and more criticism online. Uh-huh. And then this criticism further intensified on a few days later, on May 18th. So that was on May 14th those videos were uploaded. On May 18th, the episode was aired on Terrestrial TV. It had previously been streamed on Netflix, and it was aired on uh-huh. Terrestrial TV, on Fuji TV. Oh, so so it's one of those shows mm-hmm. where it, it um, premieres on Netflix, but then it will subsequently air like for for free essentially yes exactly exactly okay yes. okay and obviously when it aired on normal terrestrial tv in japan that the viewership increased and people who weren't obviously mm-hmm. members yeah, of netflix yeah. were able to view it and criticism of uh, hana or, or this sort of online harassment intensified mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then on may so, 20 20- so yes uh just just to, to clarify here mm. on netflix mm. it premiered in like what was just in march yes at the end of march march 31st uh-huh and, and the um the vitriol was mm. already in full swing yes yes before it actually aired on normal tv right yes exactly yes and that coupled with they uploaded these clips to youtube which from what you're telling me would only add fuel to the fire yes 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 apparently yes it seems to me like what like who like who's making these decisions at at fuji tv you know exactly exactly i mean it does seem that it was perhaps irresponsible of fuji tv to say the least you know we will go into this but just to sort of finish the initial story or catch up listeners who weren't familiar with the initial story on may 23rd of this year she committed suicide sadly Mm -hmm. you know as i mentioned at the top this story was widely covered both in the domestic and the international news and a lot of the commentary at that time focused on the negative impact of cyberbullying the online Mm -hmm. harassment Mm -hmm. from trolls and the government uh, as a result of that, or partly as a result of that, has apparently made plans to amend certain legislation to prevent mm-hmm. cyberbullying by making it easier to identify online trolls. Right, right. You know, notably, there were cases in South Korea of, I, I'm not sure about the pronunciation, but Guhara and Suli, two K pop stars who both killed themselves after struggling yeah. with malicious online uh, comments. Mm-hmm. And there have also been incidences in Japan of school children killing themselves after online bullying, uh, particularly via the Line app, which we've discussed before. It's basically like WhatsApp, but in Japan. Right, right, right. So, you know, this has been an issue for some time, and the government finally said, you know, okay, we've got to do something about this. There have been been some concerns raised about this new legislation that perhaps it will invade people's privacy and their freedom of expression, but... I mean, that's kind of outside the scope of what we're discussing today. Yeah, yeah. You know, anyway, so Hannah did, she wrote on Twitter before she killed herself that she was receiving nearly 100 messages a day telling her things like she should die, she was disgusting, and she couldn't deny that these had hurt her. Apparently the hateful messages started Mm -hmm. right from the time when the trailer for this episode went out. 
So as I said, it's, it's, you know, insane sort of disgusting behavior, these people that victimize, um, you know, people that they see on TV and in the media. I think, you know, it's, it's fair enough to, to, when you're talking about with your friends and you say, oh, you know, I don't like so-and-so, I prefer, you know, this other person is my favorite character or things. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, why do these people feel the need to jump on Twitter or wherever and send a direct message to this young woman saying that, you know, she should die or, or yeah, the other hateful um, things that they said? I'll, I'll never understand that behavior, that's for sure. No, sir. Yeah. And, you know, after Hannah's suicide, Fuji TV cancelled the current season of Terrace House and stopped um, releasing new episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, so now that we're all caught up, the reason we're talking about uh, Hannah Kimura and her suicide again and why it's in the news again is because of an article that has appeared in a weekly magazine in Shukan Bunshin in which, in an interview with Hannah's mother, Kyoko, Kyoko claims that Fuji TV made her daughter act that way. I mean, basically, that it, it was, if not scripted, they were kind of making the cast members act in certain ways to right, produce right, entertaining right. TV. You know, obviously, if that is the case, then Fuji TV... I think has to, you know, bear some responsibility for her death. You know, they, this is particularly dangerous because the show is marketed as this sort of reality TV, but a a real, like almost like a documentary TV, you know, it's fair enough if everyone is aware that this is a fiction, fictional TV or Mm -hmm. even with reality TV in the U S and the UK, you know, I know the lines get blurred, but I think, I think there's more awareness that this is scripted and, or not scripted, but edited significantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And doesn't necessarily reflect people's true personalities. I think the fact mm, that people mm. really felt like they were viewing the true Hannah Kimura maybe sort of added fuel to the fire. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe, mm. I, I'm just putting this out there, but maybe mm. that's almost one of the reasons why our our western reality tv is is the way it is mm. like it's so over the top so mm. you know it's it's based in reality obviously yeah. but i think viewers all know that there's a lot of editing and mm. the the people on these shows aren't it, it, everything's exaggerated right yeah. I, th- I think i think we all know that yeah, but we st- we well we we enjoy it regardless, you know. Mm. But I think there's a, a general awareness that it's not it's not a documentary, mm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in in Japan, maybe that's not maybe because it's more subdued. People are more prone to think that it's like a proper mm. documentary. Yes, yes, absolutely, yes. Yeah. And I think yeah. Fuji TV encouraged that. It seems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yes, I mean, we will talk a little bit about this, but just quickly, you know, so who, who was Hannah Kimura? Because she did have quite an interesting sort of all too short life, but yeah, you know, she was born in 1997 and she was actually half Indonesian on her father's side. 
Although her parents oh, divorced, really? yeah, after just one year. So she was brought up by her mother. So mm-hmm. there has been some suggestion that perhaps she was, you know, more obviously a target of hate because she was, yeah, it could be, you know, half Japanese. Mm-hmm. She and apparently she had quite a tough upbringing, you know, besides sort of trouble fitting in at school, perhaps because uh, of her mixed heritage. Her mother was quite disciplined and her mother was a pro wrestler as well. She joined the Mm. pro wrestling team when Hannah was just five, but they, even so they did, they lived in, you know, relative poverty. Sometimes they would Mm -hmm. even have like the electricity and things turned off. But, you know, despite that, she, it seems like she sort of began to find her own way and gain some confidence in her late teens, Hannah Kimura and decided to become a pro wrestler like her mother. She started Mm. off as a kind of heel character in the ring, apparently. You know, I don't follow Japanese pro wrestling. Right. And and maybe mm. that's that's why the producers thought that Mm. that that narrative was okay. You know, it's like, oh, well, she's always played that part. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. I mean, according to Kyoko, Hannah's mother, in the article, as she's quoted in the article, her daughter, Hannah, was, uh, yes, as you said, kind of forced to play a, a sort of heel-type role in the house, mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. like in wrestling. And it does seem, that does seem to be backed up by other quotes in the article. You know, a friend quoted in the article said that her persona on TV was not like the Hannah that she knew. Right, right. You know, Hannah, when she joined the house, she said that her reason for joining so was to, you know, looking to... She was looking to find love, although her mother suggested it was because she wanted to kind of increase her appeal as a pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. Now, so back, going back to this article in which Hannah sort of knocked uh, Kai's, the, the male cast member, when she knocked his hat off or his cap off. Yeah. According to the interview in this article, members of, the, of Fuji TV, or sorry, staff at Fuji TV, uh, told Hannah that she ought to slap him instead. And apparently uh-huh. she, she couldn't quite bring herself to do that, so she sort of knocked her hat off. Oh, it, okay. She knocked his hat off instead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, she told friends, as quoted again in this article, that she, the, the staff members had sort of worked her up to try and get her angry at, at Kai, and that afterward they had been pleased with her performance. And this caused her to become mm-hmm. very unhappy and mistrusting of the staff. It does right. seem like perhaps they were hoping that this would become a scandal or become the topic of conversation online. Yeah, get, get those ratings, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it, it appears as well, again, reading this article, it appears that housemates, you know, may have been kind of forced to sort of stay up late drinking together in in Terrace House, you know, as they tried to make entertaining footage. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just to sort of restate again, they have, you know, the fact that it has no script has been a major selling point of the show. The creator of the show, Dai Ota, said in a 2015 interview that there is no script and no instructions are given to cast members in a separate interview in 2018, he again stated that there are no heel characters 
like in normal reality shows. And in fact, Terrace House is more like a documentary. Or has more of a well, documentary Well, of course he's going to say that. I know, exactly. But it's, I mean, in light of these uh, events, it's, it seems incredibly irresponsible, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, gets, it gets worse, though. It gets worse. So apparently, according to this article, um, Kimura, Hana Kimura, contacted the staff members at Fuji TV via the line app to mm. tell them that she, you know, to tell them that she was feeling suicidal or that, to tell them that she wanted to die. But, yeah. you know, it seems like they didn't do much. They decided to keep airing the show. And in fact, well, they did even more because they added those extra scenes on YouTube. Yeah, I, that, that's that's the part that, that really get, gets me. Yeah. Right? Like the... The the airing of the episode, yeah, is like obviously it was not the right decision. I don't think, but it had already been aired on, on Netflix anyway. Yeah. So you know they're they're just they're just it's a it's a rerun almost essentially yeah. with a, with a wider audience. Granted, but mm. but yeah, that putting the clips on YouTube. I mean that's. It's it's almost malicious, I think. Yeah, like that, that that kind of that behavior from from that uh, from the TV station. Yeah, totally irresponsible, totally lacking in any kind of consideration for the actual yeah. cast members. You know, obviously, particularly yeah, and, Hannah in this case. And I don't I don't know if she mm. she sent those messages before or after the the uploads. I don't. Does the article talk about the timing of that? Oh, yes. Sorry. I've kind of been sort of pulling little bits out of these these messages and things. These are, they were going on. It was it was the whole time she was mm-hmm. messaging, messaging people. Mm. Mm. So, so, yeah, it probably stands to reason that in some form they knew that she was, was not well. Yes, but, yes. But yet they they still went ahead with, with those uploads. And it's just like, yes. An important piece of information, sorry, that, that, yes, an important piece of information, sorry, that I forgot to mention, is that when the episode initially aired on, or initially streamed on March 31st on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, Hannah Kimura did actually, she attempted to commit suicide at that time. So Really? Yes. Well, I mean... She, you know, posted on her Instagram a post that has now been deleted, but basically sort of, you know, without wanting to get too graphic, saying that she had or showing that she had sort of cut her wrists and she ended up going mm-hmm. to hospital and getting uh, stitches for that. So, And, and that was after the, the Netflix that was after the Netflix, but before they was, uploaded the extra. Yeah, be, yeah, before the before the bonus footage and yep. before airing it on national television. Exactly. Yep. Ugh, man, it's a. Uh... Yes, and it does seem yeah, Fuji TV. Well, I don't know what what are they thinking. I know exactly. And it does seem as well that she had been wanting to leave the house or quit the show mm-hmm. from around the end of 2019 because of stress from criticism online. Yeah. You know, as yeah. I mentioned, there was sort of like this 
a growing swell of like criticism uh, toward her online even before the incident. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As you know, as uh, written in this article, but according to the article, the Fuji TV staff made her stay in the house until a new character or until someone a new cast member joined. So now, you know, it's getting very murky, very dark, and Fuji TV certainly appears to bear some responsibility here. Just yeah. so, I mean, the big question is why it was so difficult for her to go against the instructions of the staff, you know, telling her to get angry at, at Kai. Yeah, yeah. Apparently. And, you know, it seems from this article that she, and presumably the, all the other cast members as well, I would assume, signed a contract with Fuji TV and East Entertainment, um, another company involved in the production of the show. And the contract contains, you know, a number of clauses, some of them, as I suppose you might expect, you know, sort of vowing that the cast members have not, don't have a history of, you know, a criminal record and have not participated mm. in, the, in the adult industry. You know, also pledging that they would report to production staff if they are seeing anyone. But, I mean, the key clause here, or multiple clauses, are clauses stating that cast members will comply with directions and decisions related to scheduling and filming policies, including performance and editing. And... You know, apparently, according to a lawyer quoted in the the same article, cast members could be liable for damages if they, you know, for example, refuse to follow Fuji TV's instructions. Hmm. Um, You know, perhaps at least covering the production costs of one or more episodes, which, you know, realistically could be in the millions of of yen range or or 10 million, tens of millions of yen range. So we're talking tens or hundreds of thousands. Uh, of US dollars effectively. So the effect of, of such a clause would be basically to force cast members to follow Fuji TV's instructions, you know, completely going Although, against the way um, the show is presented. Yes. Granted, I, I think it would be pretty hard to prove that in mm. in court. Yes. Right? I mean, it's, it seems like it's one of those clauses they throw in there and just with the um, the understanding that it probably wouldn't hold up, but most people aren't going to challenge it. Yes, yes. And to be yeah. fair, Fuji TV, um, as quoted in the article, they said that they had made a plan with Hannah for her to exit from the house, and that in general they did never they didn't stop any cast members from exiting the house. They're also... In general? Yes. Well, I mean, about Hannah specifically, they said they had a plan mm. for her to to exit the house. And well, it's easy to that, say that now. Yes, I know, right? Yes. Yeah. They also said concerning sort of directions on, on performance and things, they said, you know, sometimes they will discuss performances with cast members as necessary, but this would always be with the consent of the cast members involved. So it wouldn't be like a one-sided discussion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and just a final point, you know, this isn't the first time Terrace House has been accused of of basically, you know, making things up 
or not making things right. up, what, you know, it being more sort of scripted than it appears. Mm-hmm. Um, in back in 2014, when th- the show first appeared, this was before Netflix was involved. They, the same magazine, Shukan Bunshin, featured an article that discussed kind of claims that cast members were given lines to say and that they were even told who to enter rela- relationships with. Mm. And, they, and that they did actually cancel the show later in 2014. I'm not sure whether that was related, but either way, of course, as we discussed, they, they brought it back. Um, with, yeah. And it was co-produced on with Netflix from 2015. So, I mean, this just seems like a whole kind of can of worms. You know, it seems like Fuji TV are basically in the pursuit of higher viewership. have just been totally yeah. irresponsible and lacked any kind of consideration for, like, the mental health of one of the cast members. Yeah, sure sure sounds like it. Yeah. Do you think they will be sued for this? I don't, I don't know. Hmm. Because su- suing costs money. Hmm. And... In uh, in Japan, at least, the the damages that one gets from suing someone is is really low. Mm. Yes, that's the that's the impression I get. Like you'll mm. see, you know, some someone sues someone, and if it's it's in the news, right, and mm. and the damages are not really. They might be like a couple million yen. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so after you take away all your legal costs and everything, like it's you're not really left with all that much. Mm. Um, although in this case, I don't think it would be about the money. You know, I think it would be about getting getting Fuji TV to, at the very least, you know, admit to having had a hand in, you know, producing this uh, unfortunate result mm. so yeah. in that sense i mean it would be it would certainly be a good thing if uh if it went into litigation because then then we would actually get some real facts presumably and maybe people or organizations that should at least bear some of the responsibility will be uh be brought to light so I mean that that would be I think it would be a good thing, but yeah, certainly. Yeah. And do you think that they will cancel Terrace House forever and have no more series, or do you think that they can't resist? Ooh. You know, as a sort of, you know, a Japanese TV network that doesn't have many big hits, certainly not international hits, in the way that yeah. Terrace House has perhaps been. You know, do you think that that temptation to revive? the franchise will be too high for them to resist. I I don't know. I mean, this is mm. I mean, like, like, I mean, someone, someone's dead. I know. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not something that's easy to mm. bounce back from. Mm. Mm. And with the, with the way they're running that show, I mean, it seems like it should not be brought back. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't. Maybe they'll um. Uh, it'll essentially be the same show, but with a different name. Yeah, I could imagine that. Yeah, yeah mm. it feels like something they might try doing. Yeah, I sort of hope they don't. Really, it's almost sort of disrespectful 
not just disrespectful, but distasteful as well, isn't it? If that. Oh, it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, But as you say, it's certainly the kind of thing that I could imagine they, they do. Yeah, because if if they just relabel it, then no no one's the wiser, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. The um, apparently, as I say, I didn't actually watch Terrace House, but apparently, it started with the voiceover saying that all they did was record the lives of the six people living in the house, and that there was no script. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it would be interesting to see if any of the marketing around the show changes if they do revive it. If they, yeah, for example, yeah. are more clear about the fact that this is, you know, sadly, sort of a reality show, just like any other, that yeah, the relationships and things we see between housemates are, you know, more sort of forced than perhaps viewers would like to believe. Yeah, yeah. Although, mm. granted, if, if they just got rid of the voiceover... Mm. And anytime anyone asked, they just said no comment. Then, yeah, that's true. They're 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 good to go. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, they would have been good to go if they hadn't if they'd done all this before they caused all this harm and things. Yeah. The fact yeah. that this has happened now is, um, you know, means that there's going to be a huge amount of focus on this show, or at least I hope there is. You know. Well, as well there should be, but mm. if they uh, if they rebrand it and sh- shuffle around the the staff, mm. so it's like oh, there's no there's no relationship to that other show. Yeah, then they can pretty much do whatever they want. I mean, it'll, yeah. it'll still be the same the same shit, but. Mm. For all uh, on the surface, it'll be a completely different show. So yeah, they can do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. Well, a bit of a sad story, but I think it is quite important that these allegations come out. And as you say, it would be nice if it went to court, even if just to get more facts on the record. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I do think it it sounds, or at least my impression when I was reading the article was that. Fiji TV have been very irresponsible here and you know I hope that they do take some responsibility in some form yeah but they're gonna try their darndest to just sweep it under the rug and business as usual yeah I bet eh? yeah oh well right it's been a bit of doom and gloom this episode hasn't it yeah well you know at least we can rest Mm. easy that uh, Mario Kart is no more that's one bright spot, I suppose. Yeah, one bright spot. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. So on mm. yeah, on that note, it's uh, been a little bit over an hour, so we'll probably call it for this week. Yes, sir. All right. So as always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our username is Real Japan Guys, or check out our website at thereal.jp. Or email us at mail at thereal.jp. And find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And we will see y'all again next week. Goodbye, listeners. Bye-bye.